detente. Agreed. Understanding? Possibly. Cooperation? Maybe. Trust? Out of the question. Welcome to episode 30 of I Think I Like This Movie, America's Least Necessary Film Criticism Podcast. I'm Noah Frank. With me, as always, is my co-host, Will Vitka. And this week, our guest is fellow journalist Ben Freed, who brings us into the James Bond cinematic universe with a splash of space eugenics in 1979's Moonraker, starring Lois Childs, Michael Lonsdale, and Roger Moore as 007. So get ready for some casual sexism and maybe bring more than just your Walter PPK for protection. Ben... You brought us this film, so let me ask you, is this a preview of The Way We All Die? You know what? It absolutely is. Honestly, it is. Um, if you if we look at like the last, you know, eight months of what rich people are doing in space, I actually think this may be the most, this, this is suddenly a contender for the most predictive James Bond movie. I mean, this I, is the future that Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos want. I, I didn't think we'd bring them up this quickly, but yeah, <laughs> this is like... When I was watching this, you know, one of the first notes I, I I took on the villain was like, oh yeah, this this is like this is this is Elon Musk's like fantasy. I want to know if the X in SpaceX comes from Drax. That's it. I just I like I want I want to I want to look in the eyes and ask, <laughs> is that where why the X is there? Because it's right. It's like, yeah. oh no, let's uh, let's 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 form you know let's explore space and and form this more perfect. Uh, world and then oh by the way we're gonna just completely do yeah, everything yeah. behind we're gonna poison everybody and uh repopulate the world with underwear models right yeah yeah uh for the amount of beautiful women that are normally in james bond movies this one was like extra like babe supercharged i felt like from the kind of throughout it was just like <laughs> it was it was like peak refined like bond sexism and also just like yeah visual sort of just the the whole the whole thing um but we'll get into all that let's uh, before we get too far down the road uh if you've not seen this movie it's if it's been a while since you've seen this movie uh like it has been for us ben uh you are our guest it is your job or actually before we recap it first of all tell me why did you think you liked this movie what was your experience with it do you remember seeing it do you remember do you remember like the first time that you saw it i think the first time i saw it was probably you know, it was probably like in the nineties in one of those like cable, like those, you know, whether, I don't know, it's like USA or TNT or whatever, one of those marathons where they just roll like, you know, five Bond movies, five, five of the older Bond movies like in a row. And this one, you know, was obviously in, in the rotation. And then, you know, teen, and probably like 16 or 17 when I was like getting into movies seriously, I was also just like at the age where like Bond movies are awesome. Like, you know, and there's, that was like in the Pierce Brosnan era. So there's one coming out every two or three years. And I went to the, all of them and, and then, you know, they do the Daniel Craig movies and those are uh, on a different plane altogether. But when, I don't know, a couple months ago when, you know, the, a few, you know, so a few weeks before the new one came out, I said, you know, and at this point, I now I now have like the the Blu-ray box set with you know all the movies through uh, Skyfall, and I said, you know what, I haven't watched any of these in a while. I'm going to watch all of them, like no skips. And there are some that I've watched regularly, like you know, Goldfinger is always awesome. You know, Live and Let Die, super problematic, basically a blast exploitation movie starring James Bond, but it's a lot of fun. 
I love the Dalton movie. I love both of the Dalton movies. I'm, I, I'm really have like truly loved like the Daniel Craig movies. But Moonraker was definitely one of the ones that was like always a skip because, you know, it's like, oh, that's the one where James Bond goes to space and it's pretty dumb. And it's like, I always assumed it was like critically reviled and just really easy to bash. So in the rewatch this that I was doing, you know, I got to Moonraker and there are like, there are several like Connery and Roger Moore movies that like I really do like think are just like dreadful. And Moonraker, I assumed that was going to be like another tough sit. And then I was thinking though, like, well, maybe it wasn't as bad as I remembered. So I was like, okay, like I can go into this again. And it was actually a lot of fun. And I was like, actually turned out like I actually did like this movie. Um, more than we'll, I, we'll, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get into your, into your, we'll into that. That. no I'll spoilers, no spoilers. Well, I know you're not as into the bond universe, um, as Ben is, and probably even yeah. as much as I am as someone who's seen most, if not all of them over the course of my life. But, uh, yeah. what do you, did you, had you seen this before? If so, what, what was your experience? What will, uh, and like, what was, did, did you have any background with it? Do you remember the last time you saw it? This is uh, yet another problem I, my, my grandparents put it on at some point. I, I really have no history with the Bond franchise. I, I was not a Bond guy. I remain not a Bond guy, but this was, uh, this was a treat. As I mean, someone, had, had you, had, you had seen this though? Like, do you have a memory of seeing this? I mean, I, I assume I did. I thought that the, the, the memory that's in my head was of the moon actually being raked. <laughs> i'm yeah. not i'm not kidding like yeah yeah sure when i thought moonraker i was like oh i have some vestigial memory of of james bond raking the moon with lasers at some point which obviously doesn't happen nope but i did have that memory and then i watched this and i was like oh this is just injecting schlock directly into my heart and i'm and i'm on board when you watch it this time did stuff come back to you where you're like oh yeah i have seen this before no which makes me think that possibly i didn't see it I, I might all remember. might all be false memories. Well, I was gonna say, I, I like I was like oh, Moonraker. I was like that sounds familiar. Like they all sound familiar at this point if you've seen enough of them. And then I was like, I don't know what I had in my brain, but then it like it started, and I was like didn't quite remember. And then as soon as like I remembered like the like the cable car scene, I remember. Well, I film. remember Jaws. I remember Jaws. Yeah. Well, but he's in a couple movies, and, and that's the thing is, I was like, I don't remember if I know him from this one or from another. But but all the space stuff came. I, like as soon as I, like I saw the space station, I was like, oh, I, oh yes, I remember all of how this finishes. And so like I think I've seen it at least once, but it has been, I mean, high school maybe. This is you know this movie came out in the late seventies before we were 79. born. 79. But, but 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 like. I, I definitely saw it at some point when I was fairly young and, and I, I don't think I've seen it at the very latest since college. So it, it had been, it had been a good while. <laughs> this movie does take place a little bit in space, although not as much as I thought. Ben, for those who have not seen it, for those who have not seen it in a while, can you somewhere between a log line and a paragraph, I don't want an, yeah. a, a forever recap, but can you quickly recap this movie? Okay. Like beyond just, James Bond goes to space, which is the log line. Um, The guy who builds the space shuttle in in, in the universe, the guy who builds the space shuttles steals one back from. You can can just say Elon Musk. The billionaire, the billionaire who. The the billionaire space baron of the day. He, he, he's, he steals one of the shuttles back from the United States 
and then proceeds to hatch a plan where he launches all of his shuttles at once to go up to a secret space station that he somehow launched up there in the late, in the late 70s with a plan to uh, drop poison on the earth, kill the entire population, and repopulate the earth with this army of really, really attractive 20-somethings who, who he's recruited. And he, it's, he's basically, a, he's a space Nazi. He's building a new master race out of underwear models. Here, in the untainted cradle of the heavens, will be created a new super race, a race of perfect physical specimens. Yeah. Will, any, any uh, additions to that? And the only person who can stop him is a, you know, is a visibly aging Roger Moore. And, and a much younger uh, CIA, CIA agent played by Lois Giles. Whose name is Dr. Goodhead. Dr. Goodhead. Yeah. Which uh, is top, top five, maybe top three all time ridiculous bond. Best. I mean, awful name. It's, yeah. it's like, it's, I mean, she is in the Pussy Galore Xenia on a top club. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough competition at the top, but I, I mean, fighting oh, for a podium spot at least. Oh, yeah. She's on, she's on the podium. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, our listeners can't see this, obviously, but there's a reason that I stay muted. It's because I laugh a lot <laughs> and I spent the last 30 seconds just cackling in the basement. Um, no, I think that's pretty accurate. Uh, it's a globe trotting adventure. We go yeah. from, according to the credit scene, yeah. by the way, which I took a photo of and sent to Noah before we started this, it was recorded in uh, basically on every continent. And then also in space, they also put in, 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 in capital letters. <laughs> I, I love that because like, and I, I actually have a note on that, like I want to talk about later um, when we when we talk about models, but like it is actually like, it's fully committed to every Bond movie is ridiculous in its own way. And this by Bond standards is just unparalleled, but it's fully, I think it actually is fully committed. The, the, the dichotomy I think that really stands out to me is the fact that, it may not be, I, like I said, I don't know if I've seen everyone, but this yeah. may be like the cheesiest and horniest Bond of, of the entire series. Welcome to California, Mr. Bond. I like it already. Contrasted against the most severe plot line of any yeah. Bond movie. And so it's just this hilarious dichotomy that's, that exists the whole way where he's just like, he gets to Rio to, to like, you know, uncover what's going on with this, this nerve agent and just immediately tries to fuck like the, like the woman who's there it's like, just like in the 10 seconds. Like. It's like, it's high octane schlock. Yeah. yeah. And it, is, it is the highest possible. Octane. And she's an MI6 employee. Like they're ba- MI6 is basically like giving them a, you know, give, giving them comfort women at this point. Right. I, well, I remember. Wait, is she, I thought she was CIA. No, 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 no. In Brazil. That's oh, number three. Oh, oh, which, by sorry. The way, <laughs> I forgot how many women he fucked. Because right. I literally it's, wrote that and just my notes just say like, and then they fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Every it, single woman he meets. Right. I mean, usually it's two. That's like your standard Bond movie is two, I feel like is and average. Ro- Roger Moore era. Like Roger Moore <laughs> is like Roger Moore fucked the most. You if you read this, depending on how you read it, you could read as many as four if you think the opening airplane scene. We don't know what happened before like there's this beautiful woman on this airplane that he's this private airplane like there's no explanation for it the only the only stuff that i thought was actually interestingly like 
progressive along that line was one, that woman fools him twice. Yeah. And actually kicks him out of the airplane. And two, then the sort of, despite the name, the sort of empowerment of the woman being a doctor, him, him being like, oh, a woman doctor. Good afternoon. Can I help you? Yes, my name is Bond, James Bond. I am looking for Dr. Goodhead. You just found her. A woman. <laughs> like, her being like, yeah, way to be surprised by that asshole. Yeah. And then her actually turning out to be a CIA agent. So like, right. he was wrong twice again. Like there were there were a couple little subversive things that I were actually kind of progressive and, cutting against all that. And a, and a liberal arts grad. I mean, cause there's a line, there's like in, when they're up in the Vassar. Like, Where'd you learn to fight like that, NASA? It's like, no, Vassar. It's like, That's right. You know, yeah. look, I'm from upstate New York. I know a lot of people who went to Vassar, you know, none of them are fighters. But, I, I feel you know, like that's not, I feel like they don't, that's not Vassar, part of the curriculum. Yeah, yeah. You know, but you know. <laughs> Maybe there's a judo club. At, at Maybe, you know, look, look, every college needs its, you know, pop culture representation that maybe is not, you know, true to life. This, you know, Vassar, Vassar's got, Vassar's got a uh, Dr. Goodhead. Well, that's as good of a time as any to transition into Gaucho Watch for this episode, where right. I try to make a tie between the uh, film that we watched and my alma mater, the University of California, Santa Barbara. Uh, and in 2017, UCSB's Arts and Lectures series uh, put on their summer film series featuring none other than James Bond, showing eight of the films uh, over the course of a couple months. And Moonraker uh, did not make the cut. Which is nuts because you told me to ignore the Gaucho question, but there's a Gaucho scene. He the, oh yeah there is that's yeah. true yeah. <laughs> yeah i didn't even think about that i i, yeah. I don't i'm not thinking about it in terms of, of the actual mascot but yes okay. there is there there are gaucho pants and, yeah. and the whole the whole uh argentinian cowboy well i guess they're brazilian cowboys right is that, is that supposed to be up like brazil somewhere yeah but like you don't even like that he just turns into the man with no name at some point yeah. and like wanders in with a poncho yeah, there's there's some pretty underexplained transitions in this film, dumb, and all the dummies in the in the test range, they're all dressed the same way. Like, why didn't you put the dummies in in you know in character? My my favorite thing was the monks who beat the shit out of each other, and then one of them does the like sign of the cross over the <laughs> other guy that he just beat up. Well, I why don't we just get all, into all of the like underexplained or uh, plot holy continuity error issues? Because man, there's a lot. Ben, do you do you want to just lead us off here and uh, start us down a path? Actually, for me, the first big one isn't until you get to the maybe maybe it's uh, maybe it's not this this is like midway through the movie. But it's it's the gondola scene in 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 Venice, and you know Bond suddenly attacked. The guy pops out of the coffin, throws a knife. Bond throws it back, kills him, but then other guys show up, and all of a sudden the gondola is a moat is a motorboat, um, which you know in a better organized in in a more organized Bond movie would probably have been you know that probably would have been a cue scene where oh 007, we're sending you to Venice with a a motorized gondola you know they right. would have you know there's actually no, no explanation <laughs> it's not his boat. <laughs> There's actually no cars. There's no cars in this. this is no, there's no cars in this movie. I totally like. I did. I barely like. That's something I totally forgot. Like you know, for for you know the the franchise that is like you know the uh, original car franchise, car based franchise. There's no cars. Yeah, it's, in this the, it's, it's the Aston Martin franchise. They, they yeah. do. They do give him another boat though. Like right. it is in the movie that they give him a boat, but not that boat that it's magically boat. has all of these like gadgets and switches on it like yeah. it's just insane also we have to point out that that uh, gondola turns into a hovercraft 
right. It also, right. It also turns into a hovercraft. Again, this is like something that would be like, you know, this would be like, this would be like a Q scene. This would, be, would have been set up in a Q scene. One but, line, one line. One line. By the way, I've left you uh, something in Venice in right. case you need it. Just one, one little thing. And then you can be funny that like, it turns out to be this, you know, technological marvel. I think actually this is, and this is earlier in the movie when he's in, um, I guess this is a scene they filmed in France. It's supposed to be California. I guess it's Drax's estate uh, that, you know, is in the story in California. When Bond shows up at the hunting party, he just hits the sniper without like, you know, there's not, not even any hint that like Bond knows the sniper's up there. It's just like, you know, you don't even see the gleam of it. It's just like, oh, lucky shot, Bond. Lucky shot, Bond. No, it's, 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 you missed Mr. Bond. And he goes, did I? You missed Mr. Bond. Did I? Right. I have a very early one, which I just want to get in there because I noticed it right out of the gate. And I was like, oh, this is going to be one of these movies where we're just going to have to keep track of every, every little thing, which was the guys who hijack the Moonraker shuttle in the opening scene are in jeans and leather jackets. They've been stowing away in a space shuttle in jeans and leather jackets, and they hijack a space shuttle. Oh, that's with right. That's no right. No equipment yeah, on They literally look like goons yeah, totally, from Brooklyn. I, right. Well, that, that's the one I assume. Well, I mean, maybe that's the one that, that's just being like moved from the Drax factory to um, the Air Force Base, but like, yeah, they're, no, they're, 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 no, they're just like, no, they look like. Uh, they, they rolled off the street corner like like they, yeah, they, they belong like, fifty thousand yeah. feet in the air. Yeah, it's like Albert Broccoli, like you know, took you know went out like like you know went left his office and said I I need like two extras and like pulled them off of, another set. One of them looks like Dime Store John Belushi. <laughs> um, Speaking of guys who look like guys, I don't know if if this struck anybody else, but uh, when they're in the ridiculous canal gondola chase scene, yeah. and he's and they. He, they saw that one gondola in half yeah the the the, the, the and the guy's like trying to like he's row still as he's thinking, he looks exactly like drew Brees, and i was just like what is, <laughs> why does this guy look like drew Brees? i don't i don't know it just i kind of took me out of out of things for a minute I mean, drew Brees might be that old i mean he's kind of <laughs> yeah, a, right. ageless wonder what else i there's plenty more here um I mean, I, I mean we can talk about like once he goes to space this commits like all the space mistakes that a movie can make like I mean, here's just a few things I wrote down. Nobody wears a helmet on launch. Drax isn't even in a, Drax doesn't even get into a flight suit. Not, nor do any of the, uh, I'm just going to keep calling them the underwear models. Right. None, sure. of the underwear, none of the underwear models, they're not suited up. They're they're wearing their, you know, lingerie. They're on like a commercial air flight. They might as well be smoking. Like right. they're, they're just in like yeah. <laughs> yeah, leisure wear. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole scene early on where Bond goes in the, you know, in the, the vomit comet. You know, that's the only reference to, you know, G-forces in the right. movie that has like seven space shuttles. You know, you have rapid multiple launches in a single site. When when one of the booster rockets, when, when, when Bond and the Dr. Goodhead go up, like one of the booster rockets just like, you just see, like, it just drops. Like, you just see it like, oh, like. They, it's like on a string and someone just pulled it. <laughs> it's a prop. So like, you know, credit for good prop work. It's 1979. So you can't like, you know, it's obviously not CGI, but like it just drops to the ground. It just drops like in space. It's just lasers, lasers everywhere. The one thing they get right in space is actually like the simulated gravity. Like, cause they spin this, yeah, they, they get the, that's like the one space thing they, 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 they kind of, they, they nailed in this. Right. <laughs> 
what, will, uh, what did you have among, among your list of plot, plot holes or continuity errors? I have so many. I think the biggest thing for me is when Corin runs to the pheasant field. Yes. Well, not runs. Sorry. That actually completely negates what I'm about to say. She drives to the pheasant field where the shooting is all happening. Oh, I totally forgot about that. And then, yeah. And then Drax says, you've been removed from uh, employment or whatever it is. And instead of getting back in the fucking car, she runs. Like why I I totally forgot about that. I mean, it's a kind of like a jeep or a golf cart, but like yeah, it's a rinky dink. It's, it's hard, but it's better it's, than running in pumps or heels or whatever she's in. And you can probably hunting dogs are fast, but like I think you can probably like outgun them in a in a you know a little like four cylinder engine. Well, they're not even hunting dogs; they're Dobermans, oh, so okay. like they would get tired pretty quick. And speaking of Corin, earlier when. Bond gets into the helicopter with her her hairstyle changes mid-scene and then suddenly her her headset disappears. Yeah, they probably fucked during the flight. <laughs> <laughs> I mean he's he's fucked basically every other person. Yeah. yeah. There there are so many little continuity errors like that where with like when I mean this isn't even like necessarily continuity, but like the when they he blows up like the boats in the yeah. in the like the swamp boat chase. Like it cuts and there's just these dummies like falling out of it. I mean, they're like very clearly dummies. <laughs> like yeah, not it's even it's so great. It's there's, so a lot of, there's a lot of shots where you can tell like, okay, like, you know, I think Roger Moore was probably, God, I think like, I think he was probably 52 or 53 when, when he was making this movie. And when he was shooting this movie, he was maybe the same age then as Daniel Craig was when he did the last movie. So like, you know, difference in, you know, 40, 40 years difference in, you know, what a 51, 52 year old man's supposed to look like, but right. You know, he, he, you know, there are a lot of shots in this where it's very obvious, like, okay, they're shooting the stunt double from the back. Right. Or, you know, well, from- yeah, that's something else I was going to bring up. They don't even bother to hide the, the stunt doubles. Yeah. They're just like, <laughs> yeah, eh, whatever uh, we're doing this. I mean, we all, know, we all they, know what's happening here. Yeah. I mean, they do it a little better than like, when it was Connery, because like in some of the later Connery movies, or not even later Connery, I think like there's a this is like I don't know, it's, it's like in either Thunderball or You Only Live Twice, where like Bond's like on a dock and Connery runs behind like just a stack of of, of you know shipping crates, and then like a body like tumbles out. This is like clearly okay. This is how they did it in 1965. It's like Connery ducks behind the boxes and then the the devil just like runs like five feet. It's like a child's magic trick. Like (laughs) I I also, I I love just like the, the, he has this like stealth looking boat and then he, he, he gets, he takes the glider out of it. And it's just like the most garish, like red and yellow colored thing in the middle of the jungle. Like, and and he, and he just like pops out and happens to land exactly where he needs to land in this vast like after getting turned around and heading toward a waterfall, like it just, none of it, just, yeah. it just all works out, you know? Sure. Yeah. Coincidence sure. is a very, very important part of this film. Yeah. Two other things that are just like, I well, one definitely is a problem. The other one I wanted to ask you about. So <laughs> Drax makes a comment about, about her being like, Oh, you've your dream of being the first woman in space. And you Dr. Goodhead, your desire to be America's first woman in space will shortly be fulfilled. Except she's already in space, right? 
Like, <laughs> like how, yeah. and also aren't all these other women already in space? Like, how does that make any sense? The other one was, I, I and I, you guys might know better than I do, but I noticed that on like the screens, they would like show the screens of like the rocket launches. Yeah. They'd show like several seconds after as, as the as the count up was happening right yeah. like you count yeah. t minus whatever down and it still said t minus and it's like eight nine ten it's like no no it's t plus right isn't that the whole thing is it's yeah. it's maybe they were changing the graphic in the set like at nasa in the 70s i don't know it still says t minus on there it just doesn't it's like not right i just didn't know like if that was you know an actual error or if it's just like so, so i think part of that is because they recorded the those uh, computer scenes at Pinewood Studios, and I think they used the same computers from Alien. And and the big reason I'm saying that is this is just conjecture on my part, but they use the same computer sound effects that Alien had, so they may have just said like, "Okay, run this." Well, the other movie that uh, played a huge uh, role in influencing this movie, quite obviously, was Star Wars, which was yeah. 1977. <laughs> this, I, I I'll ask you Ben first, but like. How much did that strike you in terms of, of Star Wars? Being? Well, I mean, it's obvious. I mean, this is like the great myth of like the James Bond, James Bond's production is that it is, they're making like real cinematic experiences. They're not pressured by comic books or, you know, whatever is happening, you know, whatever is happening uh in the in in the rest of you know the movie industry the whole myth of of bond production is that you know bond is like a step or two ahead of all other action blockbusters and that's you know a nice story to to sell you know to suspend it's like clearly false this has to be like the 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 most blatant example of james bond productions like responding to market pressures because it's two years after star wars star wars is obviously the biggest influence on it but there is like so much like late 60s and 70s sci-fi in this you know there there is i mean obviously all this i mean the, the the explosion like the explosion of the space station at the end is obviously the death star you've got like a laser battle in space the you know the the repopulate society with just like hot young people like that's basically Logan's run, which I think is like 70, 1975 or 1976. There are also so many just like not at all subtle references to other uh, movies of the era. Um, when, when Bond shows up, when Bond rolls up to the hunting party, the, the trumpeter that Drax has with him plays the first three notes of uh, also Sprax Zarathustra, the, the 2001 music. The lab in Venice, the keypad is... The close encounters. Oh, I was gonna say it's the close encounters music. I looked that up when I was like writing some notes down for the show. So that was actually a deal. Like that was actually a deal that Albert Broccoli made with Spielberg. He like really wanted to just like put that in the movie. And the trade-off he made is that like he said, like, I'll let you uh, use the James Bond theme in one of your movies. And that's why they play some James Bond themes in, in The Goonies, like, which, uh, you know, like a few years later. And it's so, I mean, I mean you know, you look at like, you know, you look at like movies that are coming out in, in, the, late set, in, in the late 70s. I mean, you got Vanishing Point, Logan's Run. You know, this is, you know, the, uh, I think the Planet of the Apes series is still going at that point. I mean, I think 
Alien, I did just check. Alien did come out in 79. I think so it was probably filming around the same time. Like if Alien had come out like three years before this, like James Bond probably would have met it. Like there probably would have been aliens in this movie. There probably would have been extraterrestrials in this movie. This, this, this is just responding to every like sci-fi trope. Even like that, that, that room at the end in on this, there's like some room on the space station. Uh, no, no, it's on the launch pad. It's in like, no, it's still, they're still on earth. There's like some room where like, there is a circular table and everything is this like shiny, everything in the room is like shiny black metal. And it's clearly like the Death Star conference room. Well, I was gonna say along the the Death Star lines, the not just the explosion at the end, but the whole chase down of of the of the little yeah. uh, droids or whatever that they they put out is the trench run. Like yes. he he literally he switches to manual. Like the the controls aren't responding. The 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 final shot, like like to save the day, the little it's a little double shot, yeah. and then instead of Luke. Or like in this case, Bond being the one who like does the big dramatic exhale. It's 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 the doctor, but it's like it's the exact. It's like beat for beat, and some of the lines are this. I went back and watched the trench run just to be like, like, I was like, is it is it actually verbatim the same? Because it's a little different, but it, it might as well be the same thing. It's so like. We've People liked our, this. We should do this. Yeah. Well, we've been doing our thing for like 16 years, but now there's like, now there's actual competition for, I mean, this is like the real original, this is like where the IP war starts. You know, it's like, oh, it's like, oh, you got like, you know, George, oh, George Lucas, Fox, you got, you got your uh, big space, you got your big space epic. Uh, yeah, like, we'll do that. Like, we'll put our guy in space. Just sort of an addendum to this. Let, let's talk about the other sort of time and, and era references, other things that, that really painted this as being 1979. Will, did you have any anything else just on that? On the, I know you were you were aching to get that note out, but did you have anything else uh, sort of, of of adjacent to the to the time and era references? The Seven Up logo, the Seven Up logo in Rio de Janeiro. Yeah, there's a ton of of product placement in this movie, like a ton. There's British Airways and Marlboro and a bunch of Seven Up, like like more than than I remember stuff from this era. Like I I felt like it was like almost like ahead of its time in terms of product placement. It's just stuffed throughout this film. Bond and product placement is like that's been there from you know really the beginning. Aston Martin being obviously the most famous example. You know this is really like where it it goes from the you know luxury brands to like yeah uh, there's a huge like yeah BA billboard. Uh, the Seven Up thing is you know ever you know there's multiple yeah multiple Seven Ups. Um, I think. You know, Bond flies the Concorde to from France to Rio, uh, and I yeah. think <laughs> that one stuck out to me. That's, I mean, that's you know, I mean, that's like, I, I mean, the night. It's nice to see the Concorde, just you know, as a as an artifact. But they do, I think, the camera does hang on the Air France livery for an extra second or two, just so. Yeah, like, well, I mean, the airlines are pretty. Yeah, pronounced. yeah, for sure. All right, what else uh, painted this is is nineteen seventy nine, Ben? I, uh, anything else that that really stuck out? The fashion, everything, everything, I mean, not just Roger Moore, but like everything that like, you know, everyone is wearing from, you know, the the really wide lapels, the shirts over, you know, the shirts going over the jacket, but also the um, the outfits that Drax has his, uh, you know, master race seedlings in. Uh, there's like this very like, 
I don't know, like post hippie, but like still like pre eighties. Um, it's, it's disco, right? I mean, basically, it looks like, it looks like Devo. They all look like they're Devo. And then at one point, like some of his guy, his guards have something that looks like a life preserver attached yeah. to their skull. It's very it, weird. Had Mark Mothersbaugh started Devo in the seventies? Did this movie predict Devo? Let's let's go with let's go with yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's see, Devo, nineteen seventy three. Okay, so they were already gone. Their uh, their first big hit, uh, Whip It, was nineteen eighty. So so yeah. Yeah. chicken egg, you know. Yeah. Uh, hard hard to say. I think um, there's also a disc. There is also a um, you know a disc. There's actually in the end credits there. There's a disco mix of Shirley Bassey's Moonraker, which. You know, uh, upon like when I watched this, I was like, I really would like they should have just like they should have just put the disco version like in the title sequence. Moonraker. I mean, Shirley Bassey did three Bond songs. Moonraker is easily the weakest of them of the three, but the disco version of Moonraker is way better than the 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 slow kind of you know muddling mud, muddling opening. We're all too young for disco, but I wonder if it was just too, if it, that was like too divisive. They were like, we we can't risk alienating like a bunch of the audience by like you know doing that as the as the main one as the as like the go to market. You know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, but, but, but that intro song, it's just so it is. It's so boring. Yeah, it's yeah, it sucks. Yeah, I broadly, I mean, you mentioned the fashion, the 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 casual sexism, and the way that it, like that that runs through a lot of Bond, but it's like really pronounced in this one. Yeah, especially the line when he's like flirting with with the first woman and and is like oh what did your mother like write down as like the rules like for, for men and she's like i never learned to read what about that list of your mothers i never learned to read oh god and then and like there's always you know uh in indelicate treatment of uh cultures and, and race uh that stands out I'm like a sore thumb what the hell was going on with our henchman who shows up with his his like wooden ninja sword and a mask and just like shout like like he he was a totally fine like devious you know guy who's gonna cause trouble for bond throughout the whole early stuff at the drax like compound yeah. and then they just go like full fucking like stereotype ninja like i was just like why it's, is this um, happening i think again i think that another i do think that's another like you know i mean this is enemy so like you know there's also like a lot of like martial arts movies in the world now so it's like okay like we're gonna do that too i also think like pretty much like all the Brazil stuff is really bad. You know, obviously you have the unexplained guacho, guacho sequence, which has the music from the Magnificent Seven. I mean, there's so many weird musical cues in this movie. Anytime, I mean, Bond, like, you know, and this is like, you know, sort of, I mean, maybe it's like throughout, but it's, you know, definitely like in the Connery and Moore eras, anytime Bond goes to like a country that we would like today describe as like the global South. So like, Certainly Brazil. I think there's a couple, there's like multiple Roger Moore movies. Roger Moore's got some other movies where he goes to India and it's real bad. It, it gets like, you know. I don't know if anything beats Connery going to Japan and like becoming Japanese. Yeah, that's, I'm, that, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, I don't like them. I don't like them. I don't like that movie. And not for like, you know, Connery's getting old reasons. I don't like that movie for like this story sucks. 
Yeah. Um, like the best performance in that movie. I mean, the best, I, I think like when I was doing a rewatch, like I really like that. Like, the best, the best actor in this movie is like Blofeld's cat. Like it's like <laughs> one, like there's like a four second shot of like Blofeld's cat, just like having like an onset freak out and they kept it in the movie and it is <laughs> like, that's the MVP of the movie. If, uh, if we're talking about like just random awkward stuff, I really, really do appreciate Jaws rising from the ashes of yes. the gondola and then having a Frankenstein's monster moment with the, the girl, well, the woman, I guess, woman in pigtails. And then they're, they're, they're just suddenly in love. And it's, the music, the music comes, and the music comes in, in right. and it's, and it's literally right. just Frankenstein. Right. And as, and they just play Tchaikovsky's Romeo and Juliet overture. And right. it's just like one of like, a, you know, a, one of a number of like really odd musical cues here. All right, well, let's let's talk about the music since we're already talking about the music. Okay. What stood out to you in terms of the soundtrack? What what was you know what what were some of the, some of these things that, that that you're referencing? Okay, so I don't like I don't like the I the song's not good. The song is not good. Obviously, you have like the the reference the very obvious references to the two thousand one Close Encounters music in the the horn and the the keypad, and then you know, there's the you know the Tchaikovsky and the and and the Magnificent Seven. You know, for for the the actual original score, um, you know, this is when they still it's still um, John Barry who did the who did most of the first you know fourteen or fifteen movies. I actually think like that's not bad um, because he does kind of get that okay, like you know, it's worth you know he does kind of get the idea of like okay, you got to inject a little electronic disco uh, beats and in, it beats into the score and there is like the big spacey villain music. It does feel like this is the best Star Wars knockoff music that uh, from that era. I think he does, I think that that's actually pretty solid. Um, so, so the actual like traditional James Bond score works pretty well. It's, it's all of like the, 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 it just has some, it just has like the very strange cues. That. Yeah, I, f- I feel like, well, especially like the new ones have much more continuity in terms of, of, yeah. of keeping that, that the mood that they're setting and, you know, and, and little variations on the bond theme to sort of fit, fit with whatever, or, or variations on whatever the movie theme is to fit what's going on. And like, this has that, but then also <laughs> just but, like these complete, but, you know, left turns. Yeah. But also, yeah, we're going to have like, yeah, also we're going to have the Close Encounters music and uh, just be the, the most famous, you know, one of the most f- famous Tchaikovsky compositions in a you know in in a scene in which two characters who have just met in a very odd circumstance fall in love also it wasn't clear that like she was part of this operation like did she become part of the operation because Jaws was part of the operation like how did she end up on the space station none of that makes any sense I don't know anyway Will uh, any other notes on sound of this film I, I really appreciated when they actually cut out the soundtrack I liked the action scene, for example, in that glass warehouse development area, whatever you want to call it, where it's literally just, you mentioned Chang a little while ago. It's just Chang and Bond going at it for like three or four minutes solid. And just all glass you, shattering. It's yeah. just glass shattering. Well, sh- sugar glass, obviously, but yeah, it's just chaos. But, and and that- I appreciated there was no soundtrack there. I love that. And I really miss that in movies. I mean, that's such a, like, that, that's a thing that we don't really have in movie, in like movies anymore. Now, if there's a big fight scene, it's got to be fully scored. And like, I mean, that kind of goes away in the 90s. 
where you know the the noise of the fight is like is is the soundtrack and and i miss i mean that and that's you know that's just like something i mean that's just something we don't have in movies anymore no i know and it's it's something actually that i wish they'd do more in horror movies horror movies the scariest thing is silence and so for me in addition to the scariest thing is silence in a horror movie the most action-packed thing for me is to just hear people beating the shit out of each other. I don't need your blaring score in the background. Yeah. But those, you know, I mean, it was one of the most effective things of any movie. I, I remember that like seeing it in the theater was uh, the first Bourne movie. Uh, yeah. There's a scene where he's back in his Paris apartment and it's very quiet and there's a sort of uneasiness, but you can't really tell what's going on. And then out of nowhere, this guy comes bursting through through the glass. I was seeing that movie with a friend of mine, and the lady behind him kicked him in the back of the head because she was so stunned, just like just need literal knee jerk reaction, and like like I mean that like right like that that silence like adds suspense and adds and adds that sort of you know that that uh, anxiety that when they're just pumping music over the top just yeah. cannot exist. And, and Bourne's really like the last action series that ever did that um because certainly like even now like even when there's like a really good i mean there's and there are some really tremendous like action sequences in the daniel craig bond movies but they're all scored and like everything in mission impossible is scored and everything in like fast and furious is going to have score and you know obviously you know all the dumb comic book movies like they they you know they can't they can't sit they can't sit still for you know half a second so yeah, it's it's just really something like in like that we lost in movies like generally. Let's get into the characters. Uh, there are all kinds of characters in, in this film. Uh, w- was there one that maybe stood out to you, Ben, this time around that you enjoyed more uh, that you hadn't remembered being as good, and was there one that maybe uh, did not hold up as well for you? So, I actually, I actually thought really highly of uh, of Doctor Goodhead in this one. I actually think she she's actually like. One of the, you know, in the, you know, the, let's call it like the, the, the first, you know, God, Bond's been around for like 60 years. So like the first, like the first half of the Bond franchise, she's actually one of the better, actually she looks, she's like one of the better Bond women, you know, she, you know, especially like, I, I guess like once you get the CIA real, but she's like, she's, you know, she's pretty capable of standing up for herself. You know, she's, you know, I think Lois Childs had pretty good fight confidence for the, the action work that they, that they give her, you know, I think, you know, the traditional bond woman, bond girl approach to any action sequences, like, Oh, like maybe she grabs like the, you know, the, the champagne bottle holder and smashes a henchman over the head. And, you know, there are those scenes that are in this movie, but she actually like kicks enough ass in, in, in her own right. And I think that like that Vassar line just like cracks me, that Vassar line at the end just like cracks me up, but like, she's not a, super well-developed character but she's like developed enough where like you kind of get like okay like she's got she's got you know more purpose than just somebody for bond to fuck yeah she has her own agency for yeah. sure i mean like she's she's doing her own right. work while he's doing his work yeah uh she also docks a space shuttle yeah like she <laughs> <Pretty good. laughs> like she like she clearly did the assignment to nasa Right. Like yeah. Bond, exactly. Bond, Bond's not touching the control. I mean, Bond's like maybe Bond gets fired the laser, but Bond's not like touching the controls. Right. What, what about one that uh, a character that did not hold up as well? Oh, it's Jaws. It's Jaws. It's Jaws. I think oh, he's also in the Spy Who Loved Me. I think that's the only other one he's in. 
getting into the franchise, like once he shows up, like it's very odd that when he like shows up at the beginning of Moonraker because like it's you know he doesn't say anything. He does he never he doesn't say any words in the Spy Who Loved Me. So like he it's not like you you don't even know he's out for revenge. He's just like this big. If you've never seen any other movie and you see Moonraker, it's like oh he's just this big dumb guy who like pops out of the airplane and pushes pushes Bond out of the airplane. But Jaws just gets his ass handed to him. He's supposed to be this big, you know, seven foot tall, uh, metal mouth Superman Frankenstein guy. And he is just getting his ass handed to him constantly. Yes, he like shows up and pushes Bond out of the plane, but then he jumps out of the plane and then Bond, steal, uh, Bond steals the other guy's parachute. And then he steals Jaws' parachute and Jaws like crashes into the circus. And then the next time you see him, you know, he's in the cable car and he crashes the cable car. And then you see him uh, in the boat, in the boat chase sequence. And then he drives his boat over, over, over a waterfall. I guess he somehow survives that, but he's just losing. He's just losing constantly. He's supposed to be this like, so scary. It's like, it's like, because what he's got a, you know, he can open champagne bottles with his mouth and can take like, um, you know, endless punches. But like, he is just like, a, I mean, why would anybody hire him as a henchman? He is just going to, he's just going to like crash every vehicle and, you know, and, and fall out and like fall out of planes. Will, who are you, your uh, plus and minus characters? I'm going to take a wildly different opinion here and say that Jaws is their Chewbacca since we've already mentioned Star Wars. I think they wanted I think they wanted to turn Jaws into Chewbacca. I read while researching that actually the director of the film got a bunch of letters from kids saying, we want Jaws to be a good guy. So apparently they sort of pivoted some of this to make Jaws less terrible. And I'm sure that's one of the reasons they do the, the Frankenstein thing where he meets a girl with pigtails and suddenly is in love. And then at the end, he saves James Bond. I'm not saying it's the right decision. <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying I enjoyed it. I thought it was how really. Great, how funny. great would it be if instead of him like actually suddenly speaking in this soft British accent, yeah. like they panned him and he just goes. Yeah, but that's so, his his one line of dialogue at the end is "Here's to us." Here's to us. Well, here's to us. I I am not a James Bond guy. I don't know these movies at all. I don't know the history. I don't know the lore. This is the first one I've watched since I made the mistake of going to see Casino Royale in theaters and I did not enjoy it. I just, I don't like the super yeah. British man thing. Maybe it's because I'm Irish. I don't know, but it's just like sort of repulsive to me, yeah. the whole thing. But I enjoyed that. I enjoyed where he was just sort of the big lovable oaf toward the end of this. I thought Roger Moore did a great job. I really legitimately enjoyed his version of Bond. Yeah. And I would also agree with <laughs> the assessment of Dr. Goodhead. I can't say that name and not laugh. <laughs> I just can't. I mean, you're not, you're not, you're not, I mean, I mean, you're not supposed to not laugh at it. I mean, it's like, you, you, know. you can't say it without smirking. Like that's yeah. illegal. So, uh, <laughs> but I also thought Drax is great. Uh, Michael, what's his name? Michael, Michael, uh, Michael Lonsdale. Lonsdale. Yeah. He was fabulous as a villain, just chewing every conceivable chunk of scenery and 
managing to explain his evil <laughs> evil plan without quite explaining his evil plan because his evil plan didn't really make sense. Yeah. Also, how did they have a space station that blocked radar? Because that's irrelevant in space. Yeah. Whatever. Who cares? I'm actually going to cut back against you in terms of these characters. Uh, I, I thought humanizing Jaws was funny. I, it, like, it, I, it just, I thought it was funny, but Drax was just a dweeb. Like, who is following this person? Yeah. Like, who? How, why is why is Jaws following him? Well, right, but other than money, like, is there is there and like is there any possible reason? Like, why are all of these young, beautiful people training under him to like like how has he? It's not like he's some charismatic leader who's like he's a well, fucking dweeb. Well, well, Noah, Noah, are you aware of how many Twitter followers Elon Musk has? <laughs> I was just gonna say it's, it's the promise of rebuilding the population. Yeah. Um, like you all get to have a giant orgy when we get back to yeah. Earth. I, and That's I don't, your motivation. Right. I actually, and I don't know where like where this where it was organizationally in like seventy nine, but like there are like subtle like Scientology vibes. You know, they do they kind of do Scientology like in one of the in License to Kill. You know, the the second Dalton movie. Like there's like when Wayne Newton is basically L. Ron Hubbard, but like there are some like Scientology vibes with like the you know perfection through bullshit science fiction. Yeah, I don't know. I think my problem with Jaws. Well, I get what you're saying. Like, you know, I guess this is the part where I say, like, Chewbacca is actually, like, one of my least favorite Star Wars characters. <laughs> oh, we're going to get Ben canceled. This is great. <laughs> you know what? Oh, no. <laughs> I'm, not the only one, I'm not the only one with this take. I'm not the only one with this take. There are dozens of us. <laughs> there are dozens of us. Noah, you know at least one other person. You know at least one other person with the Chewbacca sucks take. I, I mean, I, maybe, I don't know. Yay, Tate, Chewbacca. Yay, Tate. I can see that. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big, I don't like Chewbacca. I think, um, I mean, Chewbacca is fine for Star Wars. I think like one of the great things about like a Bond movie is like you have the henchman who's like just inexplicably ride or die for the for the villain. Like Ajab, sure. Like Ajab. Yeah. Or like uh, you know, like the uh, like there's a couple of like hench- good henchmen in like the Brosnan era. They're just like you know, I don't care. You killed the bad. You killed. You already killed the main bad guy. But like I'm still going. And 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 Jaws is so he's presented as so unstoppable and imposing. And how how is he not just like breaking old slow Roger Moore in half? And you're gonna just soften him up and make him this like cuddly. I'm, I'm I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying like, that I, think I just like I don't like it. I don't like it. Well, he like, he also just like doesn't succeed at all. Your number two villain is a guy who has like done some shit, yeah, and like you right. are supposed to see some of it so that you have fear of him. So that he's you're like, all oh, right, like this guy's gonna do some damage. He is gonna kill a character. Like a it happens a lot. They'll kill like one of the female right. characters, and they'll kill you know someone who matters to the plot on some level to like show that they're that they are scary, right? Well, yeah, or he'll get some like real shots in on Bond. I mean, like, and yes, like, yes, like, there's like, there's some scene, there's some shots where like, it seems like he's physically intimidating Bond, but like, you know, like, other than like, okay, yes, he pushes him out of the plane, but then pretty much it's like Bond drops him into the circus, Bond gets him to drive off a waterfall, you know, Bond and Bond, then Bond says, oh, Jaws, by the way, like, you think, like, I mean, yes, I do get it, like, the, the, the twist, like, you know, his decision to flip at the end does make sense in the story because like, you know, if you're going to repopulate the world with, 
you know, 20 year old underwear models. Like, why would you take this hideous seven foot monster uh, with metal teeth? Like, of course, like he's, he's getting, you know, of course, like in the, the Drax, Hugo Drax plan has to like, you know, Jaws has got to go too. Uh, by the way, uh, it would be interesting if that was a uh, Scientology reference to be the second consecutive episode uh, of this podcast where there was yeah, Scientology I, I, references. You just, uh, episode, right. you just did um, episode 29, Where's My Mind Head? With Bo, right, with uh, Bowfinger, a movie I actually haven't seen. Oh, that's a movie I have not seen. Don't, don't, don't. Yeah, don't. you don't need to. Yeah. yeah, We've we've watched it so that you don't have to. I, yeah. I, that's why I listen to the pod. Actually, what would have been great for this movie is if Jaws went after Drax. If Jaws is the one to kill Drax, I think that would have done That would have been okay. Speaking of round characters and them developing along the way, what do we think taking the bond world aside like take a take aside what you know the actual series and everything if we just imagine this standalone and then whatever comes after this like what has happened to these characters and into the world in the intervening what is now uh what 42 years uh, since this movie came out okay so 42 years i don't think we're here in 42 years i don't i think i think like the big one would have happened because like this is like total like speculative national security here but like think about like what's in the movie okay you have privately developed space shuttle like a, a fleet of space shuttles i mean this is like 1979 like in the real world i think we had this we had we had started the space shuttle program but this guy you know this guy drax he's got like six space shuttles that are ready to go at any time they are also armed not only that there are directed energy weapons that are wielded both by like drax's private army and also the US military there are space marines like this there are there are space marines this is like i don't know almost a decade before aliens there are also military space shuttles and also they are on the phone with the russians they are on the phone with the soviet union this so like this you know so so all of this is all of this becomes public knowledge in like you know not necessarily at the peak but like the not yet the waning days of the cold war no, we're like in, in like the beginning of the thick of the Cold War. Well, like, no, it's more like after the thick of the Cold War, seventy nine. After the, we're after yeah. the thick, we're after the thick, but we're there's, there's the waves, right? There's uh, there's the Kennedy like, wave and there's the Reagan wave. There's, we're like know. right before the Reagan wave. So you think like okay, like Reagan, you yeah, okay? You think like okay, we're like a year away from Reagan getting into office, and like he finds out like oh, like I've I have Marines space, with freaking space lasers. I have space Marines with lasers, like. Yeah, and like I just wanted your shit with lasers anyway. So like that's scaled up. The Soviets are going to respond. So instead of like Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall, it is like Mr. Gorbachev, I'll see you in the Thunderdome. Like, and you know that's how the big one starts. So I don't think we're here in forty-two years. You know, I think we've all been incinerated by like nineteen eighty-five. <laughs> I'll see you in hell, Mr. Gorbachev. <laughs> I'll see you in hell. <laughs> yeah, it's like as lighthearted as this movie is this has like the scariest this is the scariest plot of any bond movie yeah i mean Um, it's and as as we've already talked about like reflects again as as history repeats itself into sort of our modern hellscape um this is the bond movie this is the bond movie that actually starts the war i mean the bond like the bond series it like it is like you know especially you know really like the early bond series is this like great 
this great artifact of Cold War culture because so many of like pretty much all of the books and a lot of the early movies are really about like do boil down to like James Bond stops a nuclear war before it starts. Well, like it's why he matters because yeah. he's a fucking spy for the Allies, basically right. in, in in this in this like tenuous relationship with with the states. But like, right? It's it's Cold War. Yeah. I mean, that's that's why like it's why he, it's why it, he it's fits why in awkwardly in like modern day. You're like, why is this guy important yeah. anymore? You know? But right, yeah, yeah. And like one of the things that Bond like you know Bond encounters in the movies that could like start like the the like the real like nuclear holocaust this might be the one that like brings it like that really actually would make it happen because like why would the soviet union not you know instantly produce lasers and space bombers and you know yeah uh all right so ben's take everyone's dead will i'm gonna go for a slightly lighter hearted take james bond and by association the british government has gone broke trying to pay a child support for James Bond's 72,000 children that he's had <laughs> over the course of his career around the world. Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, mine's, mine's not that far different than that, but keep going. Okay. Meanwhile, Jaws and his pigtailed lady friend have started a cooking channel show where Jaws is very delicately opening cans of soup and <laughs> the, the, the nonverbal pigtail child daughter creature thing just sort of heats stuff up in the microwave. I, I'm, I'm going more the Oregon Trail uh, result that James Bond has died of syphilis. Um, <laughs> yeah. Because I, mean, I mean, come on. Uh, there was actually there was a great there's a great SNL skit. Uh, I think I think it was Chris Parnell played. He, he played Bond. It wasn't like, like it wasn't like Brosnan or, or Craig or any. It wasn't any of the. No, no, no. Like it was like a skit on Saturday Night. Oh, Live this is where, the STD call. Like, right? Yeah, 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 right. And, and it's like his doctor telling him that he has every STD known to man. Like, like it's just you know, it's it's right. Like when you start to put some perspective on like like who this person is and like forget all of the all the other ways in which he's survived there's just the self-destructive ways that like right just like come on man this particular bond especially like the like the daniel craig bond is was much more of at least like at certain moments a one woman man yeah well by the time that, yeah i mean by the time they get to like you know no time to die like yeah he's like and like yeah you know, i guess like yeah uh, Christina Royale, he's a one-woman man. Um, I think, like, yeah, in the event that, like, you know, the, the nuclear holocaust, this movie doesn't start the nuclear holocaust, I think, yeah, like, Bond is just, like, older and slower and maybe dead of, yeah, maybe dead of syphilis. I think, like, Holly Goodhead, she's probably running, um, like, advanced weapons research. Like, she's probably, like, running DARPA. Yeah, uh, I mean, she, she clearly has a bright future ahead of her in intelligence. You know, probably... Uh, I think she's just an advanced weapons development. I think she's, like, you know, building up the space for the laser program. So would her next weapon be called Good Warhead? Yeah. <laughs> and then like, uh, you know, I think Jaws maybe like now that like he finally, like he speaks one line that's maybe like his, the beginning of his maturation into his like final form as the guy from Happy Gilmore. <laughs> I think the war starts and everybody's like, I don't, I don't think we're, yeah, I don't think the world makes it. It's, it's so, it's so, it's so, it's, it's so explosive. It, like the, the, the technology, military secrets that are revealed in this like 
Right. The, the knowledge of all that suddenly spilling yeah. out into the public 10 years after you put a man on the moon. Like, I mean, like that's a, a major and jump. You just tell the KGB, like the Air Force just tells that, hey, KGB general, we're sending our space Marines up into space in this military space shuttle that we can scramble in 10 minutes. Right. And he's like, we'll let you know if something goes bad. Yeah. Right. Like, right. Like, like their, their ability to like scramble fighters was like more advanced than independence day yeah. like <laughs> all right so we'll take a slightly different bet on this because we're talking about this within the context of the bond series and where the yeah. bond series is now could this particular movie as is with the plot lines that exist get made again today the way this movie is absolutely not i think it's just like i mean you know the last fast and furious movie went into space like they did it but, but like that's fast and that's like the fast and furious like they they can do that now you could not do like daniel craig and moonraker this is easily like the greatest difference from like novel to movie of of any of the the fleming type the ian fleming titles in the in the book drax is this former nazi scientist who is he's basically trying to steal a british nuke and bond's gotta like stop him from stealing the the nuclear the nuclear warhead and a lot of the book takes place in this private club that is not really in any of the movies. Um, there's uh, something about like Drax is like cheating at cards and Bond has to, you know, the first step is like is exposing that. And that's and, like the Casino Royale thing. And that's, that's kind of, you know, there's a lot of, a yeah. lot, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of like, you know, card cheat, card cheat villains in, in the fun, in the, in the following books. Um, but like Bond's also like going, really going through it in, in the book. There's, it's not just like vodka martinis shaken and shake, shaken that stirred. There's like, he just like, after the martinis, he just downs a whole bottle of vodka. He's also taking, um, like amphetamines the whole time. He's just like taking fistfuls of pills and it's, it's a really, I mean, it's like, you know, nothing Roger Moore was ever going to do. And right. Yeah, I feel like we didn't even really get that side of Craig, right? I mean, like there was no like. I mean, Craig got like you know, Craig was never. I mean, they 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 you know, Craig drank plenty on screen, and there were like a lot of ref. There there were a lot of references to the the Bond characters' drinking habits in the Craig era. Yeah, but the Moonraker the novel is like you know, maybe something they could revisit at some point. Like at this point, there have been so many sci-fi movies. There are so many franchises. They there have been so many other movies where you have space shuttles like flying like you know flying like F-16s like Armageddon has you know space shuttles doing you know knee-jerk moves in space. Um like you know at this point like everybody's done every like everybody's basically done Moonraker at this point. Will space Nazis in 2021? Yeah I think uh, we're totally primed for a return to ridiculous nonsense in terms of James Bond. I don't so I don't watch them. I listen to what other people have to say about the James Bond, the more recent James Bond movies. None of them sound like my bag. Again, it's never really been my bag. But I think if we went full schlock like this one did, everybody would immediately say like, oh, it's Elon and, and Jeff. I mean, it would not be so far out of the realm of possibility now that their billionaires are currently having a, a dick-waving contest to send shit into space anyway. Including themselves. Including themselves. 
I, I, that, that's the thing is I feel like I'm, I'm really interested to see what direction they go now, because like at the end of this era, you're bringing in a new actor, you're bringing in a new sort of storyline to your point. You either have to make it more over the top in the way that maybe not that fast and the furious is, but the way that like mission impossible has yeah. gotten to where it's, yeah, I was going to say mission impossible to where, you know, you're really like, like leaning into how far can we stretch the, you know, well, what I was a stunt looks like, but, but, but also, also, the all the alternative to that is is to really go the other direction, not in terms of making it s- sort of somber and self serious the way that, that Craig is, but to like make it a period piece again and take it back in time and 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 have it be back in the Cold War and have it be back in in you either have to super modernize it and and like or you have to like go the other direction. I think I don't want to do like period piece Bond because the character is inherently nostalgic, so I don't think like you need to go back. I would actually like you know. Like they did the serialized thing with Craig and I think it was great. And I really hope like whoever's next, they, they just go back to like, make it episodic, like make it episodic, make it so you can jump into any one of them and have a fun time. And if it's, you know, if it's down to earth and gritty, it's down to earth and gritty. And if it's, you know, you know, and if it's got like, you know, seven foot monster men and space lasers, then it's got that too. But I, I think like the, the period thing, I don't think is like, I would hope they don't do that just because I don't think it's necessary because Bond is like always like, it's always reflective of a version of, of the UK that doesn't exist, that, you know, existed for a time in the minds of a lot of people, but like never, like certainly has not existed in the actual lifetime of the character. And, you know, certainly does not exist now, like post Brexit, post like, you know, all the dumb shit, like, you know, Boris Johnson has done. Um, well, there are also other stories that there are other stories can tell. And and if the next movie is like James Bond fights like Elon Musk, and people say, "Oh, that's Elon," like that's fine because like Pierce Brosnan fought basically like a Rupert Murdoch character, and everybody knew at the time, like, okay, this is probably Murdoch. And now I'm like, you know, now that movie's now like 20 years old, and it's like now it's like, oh yeah, like James Bond predicted Fox News, <laughs> um, and you know, like that's like you know. Why not? Like, go have him fight a, a space a space billionaire. Any other last scraps? Any other notes that you guys had that didn't fit into, into any of the buckets we've covered? This is kind of on the space billionaire line, but like, there's like the the line, the line that I really like in this movie. It's early on, um, and I think he said, I think Drax does say it to um, that henchman Chang is look after Mister Bond, see that some harm, see that some harm comes to him. Look after Mister Bond see that some harm comes to him and it's like yeah that's basically how that's basically how like elon musk works like like you know has 200 billion dollars but like will like you know punch down on twitter and destroy somebody's life you know i'm sure like if he listens to this podcast like you know we'll spend the rest of our lives you know in court with elon's lawyers (laughs) but we'll be in the space gulag we will be in the space gulag well, we, we can do a podcast on space to be like. Yeah, yeah. Find ways to keep yourself entertained. Yeah. Will, any other notes? Uh, I did want to say that I think for the most part, there are some there are some some outliers here, but the, the special effects are actually pretty fucking good in this movie. I watched the remastered version, and the remastered version on Amazon, especially with the space launch stuff, looks fucking awesome. Yeah, you the do... rockets look good. The space battle doesn't look so. Good. Well, that's what that's I was going to say. say. <laughs> because you can clearly see strings. In well, and just like the, the there's a couple wide shots 
there's a wide shot when they're first, he first gets to like the compound that's very clearly just a backdrop. And then there's like the wide shot of all the little the little men with their laser guns like coming out of the space station and coming out of it's, the it's like, awful. And, they and look it, like they're being birthed from a seahorse or something. It's a little it's a little eight-bit video game of just these little things crawling across the yeah. screen at each other. It's like okay. But I I did also want to give a shout out to the the stuntmen uh, or the stunt coordinators on this movie because you can very clearly tell that, especially with the gondola scene, there are some motherfuckers up there on top of a gondola yeah. that is 300, 400 feet above the, the the floor of wherever the fuck that is in Brazil. And that's, I have terrible vertigo. So that shit's just insane to me. So well done to the sort stunt coordinators. Well done to the special effects folks for making this in 1979 still looks good and for anybody listening watch the remastered version in 4k on amazon that's that's the way to see this it's gorgeous yeah i've got the blu-ray it looks pretty it looks pretty good and yeah those stunts i mean yeah i mean they they're really somebody's really doing that i mean spider-man whoever ever went to sugar the sugar loaf mountain in in rio like yeah the cgi but like yeah somebody actually like held on to the chain and skated down the the cable yeah that shit's that shit's on film it is real well that's uh brings us to the final question the all-important question the reason that this podcast exists ben must ask you do you still like this movie you know i do i actually really do i actually do and i think i i i went up thinking like more way way more highly of this than i thought i would and i think it's because and yes it's like it is ridiculous and yes like you know, there are a thousand holes in it that we, you know, just like talked about. But I think why I liked it is that this is the Bond movie. Like, you know, I said, I said this, like, even by Bond standards, this is ridiculous. But I think it actually, it, it fully, it fully commits to it. Like it's fully, it's not like, it's not half-assed in the ridiculousness. It's not like, well, like, all of a sudden, like, maybe we're going to send this, you know, this, like, no, there it's, it's bought in from, from like the first time you find, like, basically from like the moment, the, the, those two schlubs, <laughs> the two schlubs in leather jackets and jeans steal, like fly the space shuttle off the 747. It's bought in. And like, if that's the first, if that's like the first scene in the movie, then like, obviously, like, why not? You have to end it with James Bond in space just you know having the 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 zero g the zero g sex with uh with dr goodhead like it's fully it's fully bought in and i think like that's you know that that's why it's just like you know it's great i actually do think it's like i think it's you know one of the you know roger moore did seven bond movies and three or and like certainly like you know the ones he did after like the ones he did in the 80s like they all kind of blend together and i don't actually even though i just watched them all very recently i don't really distinguish them that i can't really distinguish them from each other uh this one stands out because it is so outlandish and so proud of its outlandishness and for as much as you know again this is as much as like you know the bond people want to say the broccoli family wants to say oh like you know, Bond stands alone. It's like, okay, yes. But like, if you're going to embrace the era the movie's made, like go for it. Just like do all of the, do, do all of the tricks. Well, I loved this movie. <laughs> I, I legitimately loved it. 
I really appreciated hearing the alien noises again. I think that I think that was a Pinewood Studio thing, like shit they just had on board. So yeah. all the sci- I really liked all the sci-fi noises when they were doing sci-fi shit later <laughs> on in the movie, but I loved it. It's schlock with a capital S, yeah. and it leans into everything. And I am a huge, huge fan of full-throated schlock. So yeah. this gets my not just my seal of approval, but an A plus plus. I I feel like if you were going to if you, if you were running like a midnight movie series like this is the bond movie that you would pick this is the one where you leave you leave like like the floor lights on so that there there's like a you know, it's not not like totally dark so people can throw stuff at the screen and like you know like like because it's so it's so opposed between the content and the del- and the delivery uh, and like they, like they've just saved like humanity from utter extinction and for some reason q is there making a reinsertion joke about like them having re-entry. sex as a, re-entry yeah, like, re-entry. Like, re-entry. you're just like what like, what the hell? like it's the big the big like you know like the, the whole thing closes in like two and a half minutes from like we yeah. just saved humanity to you know credits and and they managed to squeeze like three sex jokes from three different people into like that last two and a half minutes to just like hammer home how absurd and like campy like we're we're treating this entire thing which yeah like like i said it's it's a it, in that sort of mystery science theater 3000 realm of like how you how you want to treat a, a communal in-person movie experience like i feel like it's the best bond movie for that it's the only it's the only one that make would make it into that like yeah your minute schlock series and it is like you know because there's a lot of bond that is like schlock there's a lot of bond that's not schlock this is like will absolutely right this is like 100 schlock and that's yeah i mean it's, yeah that's great it's it's wonderful. I mean, and Noah's right. It's it's camp plus schlock because they're yeah. actually they, th- those are two separate things. But this is the perfect melding of camp and schlock. And I mean, just from my notes, I wrote dot dot dot, and then they fucked because it's just that's just this whole movie. <laughs> it's like nonsense, and then Bond met a woman, and then they fucked. Yeah, and it just it just keeps going. They mix it, it up in the middle because they fuck, and then there's nonsense with the, things, <laughs> the, the you know. <laughs> it's it's wow, it's perfect. Yeah. I love. I keep it. you on your toes. Ben, is there anything that you would like to uh, promote before we get out of here? By day, you know, I'm um, reporting on cybersecurity and tech policy for State Scoop, uh, which is a uh, you know we cover government technology uh, policy. That's you know if anybody you know listening wants to tune into that, follow me on Twitter, Br Freed. I tweet mostly not about my job, uh, a lot of probably you know dumb James Bond takes and and other you know movie movie stuff. If if a billionaire uh, does decide to gas us all, perhaps Ben will be there with uh, the scoop uh, slightly in advance, and you can enjoy your final twenty four hours. My, my my final my final tweets will be uh, Elon. You know, you may think you're going to the moon, but I'll see you in hell. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, make sure you're following us on Twitter and on yeah. Instagram at Like This Movie. Follow along and use the hashtag ITILTM to jump into the conversation. That's hashtag ITILTM, and we will see you next week.
I Think I Like This Movie is created by Noah Frank and hosted by Noah Frank and Will Vitka. Editing by Will Vitka. All music on the show, unless otherwise noted, provided courtesy of the South County All-Stars. Copyright 2021. My God, what's Bond doing? I think he's attempting re-entry, sir.